And so we can have all kinds of desires that drive us, but it's only the desire that's growing from Christ as our root, Christ as our source, that will allow us to enjoy the fruit of abundant life. Hi there, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the His Hill Podcast. My name is Kelly Darty, and I'm your host. What do you want most in life? And what brings you contentment? What empowers or drives you? John Forrest, who is the principal of the Bible School here at His Hill, will ask these questions as he takes us through a study from 1 Timothy chapter 6. And in doing so, he will ultimately lead us to the big question, do you truly know the abundant life of Christ? 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, verses 7 to 12, that's a section of scripture I want to look at uh, together. And I'm just going to start reading verses 7 and 8, and then we'll go from there. He says in verse 7, For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. And when we consider the the world of money and ownership, and I just ask the question, what, what level of possession should we be at in order to be okay with it? Like how many things do we need to own in order to be content, to be, to be okay with, with what the Lord has given us without being worried and concerned about uh, the future provision? And, and he says it really simply in this passage. Uh, he says, food and clothing. Uh, and so it's, it's not a, a question of what do I need to be comfortable. It's a question of what do I need to be content. And those two things are not the same. Uh, that it's, it's not what is going to be a standard that is one of ease and absent of, of a desire for more, but rather at what, at what level of, of possessions of wealth can I be satisfied uh, without craving more? And so here he says, food and covering. Uh, and, and even this food and covering is more than what Paul often had. You know, he says that there were times that he went without food, that he went in, un- in hunger. Jesus himself says that there's times that he has no place to lay his head. You know, birds have nests and foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And Jesus didn't always have covering. He didn't always have shelter. And so, so we think of the, the desire for food, the desire for the provision of clothing, of shelter, and those things aren't bad to, to want, but they're not our source of contentment. That's elsewhere. So as we think about, I mean, we see so much in the news today about economy and, and recession and all these different economic woes uh, that, that people are proclaiming to be front and center and, and we're going to be experiencing soon uh, in all likelihood that these are not a place of discontentment. If it comes to the point that I it is necessary for, for me to downgrade my car to one that's more economical, for someone to, to get a smaller house with a lower mortgage that they can afford. Those are not sources of discontentment or grumbling. 
It's not a, a testimony of the Lord's lack of provision, but rather still in those situations, Paul writes here and the Lord tells us we can be content. And yet, how easy it is for us to worry. How easy it is for us to, to be concerned internally, just in our own thoughts, or externally in the way that we talk with other people in our conversations and, and we talk about finances, that we can begin to be anxious and worried about our, our financial circumstances. And why is it that we worry about these things? And Scripture says that our worry is a testimony or a symptom of a deeper problem. There's something bigger going on than just that the lack of financial security. And that's what he goes on and unpacks in the next verses. In verses 9 and 10, he says, But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And you look at those, those verses, and he gives, starting off, uh, I want to start with the results of the, the, the desire to get rich and the love of money. And he says what it results in is people are plunged into ruin and destruction. They wander from the faith. They're pierced with many griefs. Like those seem like pretty dire results. Those are negative things that he that he mentions. Ruin and destruction, strain from Christ. And he says those are all things that are the results of something else. That's the end outcome. And I think we all want to avoid these things. We recognize those don't sound pleasant, they don't sound enjoyable. We don't want them. And that's why Paul says it in such stark terms. He says, this is the reality. This is a big deal. They're clearly negative results that are intended to jolt us back into reality, that we should avoid the things that lead to those results. Those are the warning signs. You know, you, you drive behind a truck and there's a big hazardous material sign on the back of it. And you, you recognize, okay, that's a warning. I need to avoid that. If that opens up, I want to stay away from it. And so we see these warnings that Paul gives that some have strayed from the faith. It's led to their ruin, their destruction, pierced by many griefs. So the question is, what is it that leads to those results? And he says in verse 9, those who want to get rich. Falling into temptation and snares is rooted in evil or corrupted desires. He says it's what you want. You want to get rich. And that the way that that can progress is being at a place of being pierced with many griefs. And notice he doesn't warn here against being rich. He doesn't say those who are rich have pierced themselves, but he says those who want to get rich have pierced themselves. And so it's not the, the being that he's warning against, but the, the wanting. And, and we can all relate to this. Haven't we all strongly desired at some point, we really want something so badly that we're oblivious 
to the dangers that surround it in order you know, along the way of getting it, of acquiring it. You know, if someone's up on a really high structure, you know, we have our, our climbing tower here at his hill and we're in summer camp. And so there's campers on a regular basis that might be a little concerned about the heights. And what, what's the advice we always give people when they're on a really high structure and they're scared of heights? We always tell them, don't look down. Don't look down. And in other words, don't become aware of the reality of the danger of where you're at. And, and we tell them to avoid recognizing the, the precariousness of their position. And this is what happens in, in our desire for wealth. And, and in a minute, we're going to connect this with not just a desire for, for wanting to get rich, but many other desires too, that that desire can be so strong that we become oblivious to the dangers that surround the pursuit of that desire. And it's, it's ironic because elsewhere, we know in Scripture, in Hebrews chapter 12, he says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And so he says, in our Christian life, there is a context in which we ought to be fixing our eyes on one focal point, one goal. And as we fix our eyes there, we are less sensitive or consumed with the realities of our circumstances around us. And that's good. But when it comes to wrong desires, misplaced desires, uh, he says, be careful that you don't come so fixated on that desire that you neglect the reality of the dangers that come with it in pursuing that. And so what's the results of following that desire? He says, ruin and destruction. And, and what does that ruin and destruction look like? We're going to get there in, in a little bit, but for now... Let's continue on in verse 10. And there he says, For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And asking the question, you know, what, where, where do our desires come from? And I think that's what he's getting at here. He, he un, unpeels another layer of the onion of how the Lord has designed humanity, how he's made man. And that design is one that our desires flow from our love or from our hearts. And, and so he says in verse 10 that a person's love for money, that is the root of their problem. That in their love for money, it leads to a desire to get rich which then results in the fruit of being pierced with many griefs and maybe even wandering from the faith. And so he uses the imagery here of roots. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And it's, it's been noted many times, you know, that it's, it's not that money is the root of all evil, but the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. But he uses the imagery of roots. And so we just imagine that the picture there, we can look at at the surface of the earth, and we see plants growing up out of the ground, out of the dirt. And we can see just by observing the, the leaves on the plants and the fruit on the plants, we can tell oftentimes if it's a healthy plant or an unhealthy plant. But we know also that there is a lot going on underneath of the ground that we simply cannot see. All that we can see 
is the plant itself that's above the surface, the leaves, the greenery, but we don't see the roots. And the roots are really the critical part that determines the health of the plant. There's other factors, but the primary source, the primary circumstance that matters about the plant's health is the roots themselves. And what happens is that as we see the, the warnings about our desires, don't love money, don't love self, don't love uh, the, the sinful pleasures of the world, don't desire others lustfully, and we see these warnings against different desires, and so we, we start to try to put those desires down. Oh, I have a bad desire. Let me make sure that goes away. Let me, let me avoid that desire. And so it's this endless game of whack-a-mole that we're always trying to put our desires down. And, and it seems like the right spiritual thing to do, but then what always happens is that we just get tired. I get worn out. Like these, these things keep popping up no matter how much I try to suppress them, try to, try to turn my attention away from them, that the desires themselves don't change. Because the desires are coming from somewhere. What's the source of those bad desires? And it's just, you know, the reality is you can have weeds in your, in your yard, in your garden, and you can cut the weeds down as many times as you want. But until you deal with the roots, they're always just going to grow more weeds. The roots have to be dealt with. Now, we, we lived on a farm, my family and I did when I was growing up. And when we lived in Maryland, in our cornfields, there was just a perpetual problem of groundhogs. You know, these things would, would dig into the field and dig all kinds of tunnels. And so you're driving through the field with your tractor or with your truck. And it just can do all kinds of damage to the vehicle because all of a sudden you, you run into this significantly large hole uh, that can really mess up your truck. And so I, I'll tell you something my dad never did. He never just put, hole in the, in the, or just put dirt in the ground to fill the hole and then walked away because he knew that the groundhogs would just come and dig another hole. That just filling the hole doesn't really fix the source of the problem. And, and again, in our, in our walks with Christ, we know what right desire is and wrong desire is, and we get so fixated on that, that that becomes where we put all of our attention. But it's just like trying to, to just cut a weed down without dealing with the roots. So, what's the source? If that's our, our biggest concern, ought to be the the thing that we're wanting to, to wrestle with and deal with, the source of our sinful desire. Uh, how do we do that? What is our source? And Jesus says in Matthew 15, verse 17, he says, Do you not understand? Everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated. But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. These are the things which defile the man. And Jesus, you know, again, just puts us in our place uh, and gives us the right perspective that the source of our desire is our own hearts. Uh, and we are the root of our misplaced love. My own heart is, is my greatest problem. I'm the problem. Uh, it's, it's not just 
dealing with the symptoms of the problem, my desires, but it's dealing with the source. I have to find an alternative source and different roots to draw life from. And it's just the reality. Like who, who when they're, they're drinking water and then they're, they realize this is poisonous water and they're offered a cup of fresh water, who's going to then continue to drink from the poisonous well? <laughs> Obviously, we're going to drink from that which is good and life-giving, the pure and using biblical terminology, the pure and living water. That's what I'm going to choose to draw life from to come to for, for life. And so in verse 11, he continues on as he's been talking about uh, these, these sinful desires, you know, the, the desire to get rich, and that comes from the root of a love for money, that love of our hearts, and, and that our, our misplaced love, you know, our hearts are the source of that wrong desire, he goes on in verse 11, back in 1 Timothy, and he says, but flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. And, and look at the, the seriousness of the terms that he uses. He says, Flee from these things. Why? Because you're a man of God. Your identity is, is different. So flee from these wrong loves, these wrong desires, and instead pursue. And this isn't a, a casual fleeing. This isn't a half-hearted pursuit, but this is intentionality. This is purposefulness. And this is why you know, people, people talk about the, the, the truth of abiding in Christ and resting in Christ and, and submitting and surrendering to Christ. People say that can sometimes seem like a, a passive Christianity. And yet we, we see Paul here and he says, no, this is, there's nothing passive about this. There's weakness in yourself. There's no life in yourself, in, in your own heart. So you flee from these things and you pursue something better that's life-giving. And the things he mentions here, Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. And notice, you know, that as, as we look at this list, all of these things are true of Christ. Jesus, we know, is our righteousness. Jesus is godliness. He is the author of our faith. He's a perfecter of our faith. God is love, that in all of these things that are listed off here, these are the fruits that come from the source of Christ. This is the natural outworking of a life that is abiding in the vine, that is attached to Christ, that is drawing from him. And so if, if the root for a love of money grows into thinking about a plant, you know, if we have the root and it's, we have a heart of love for money, it's going to grow into a plant that desires to get rich and then leads to the fruit of ruin and destruction. So if we have a root that grows into a desire for and, and a manifestation of righteousness, what's the fruit that that then bears? 
And where is the root that we come to? And I already mentioned it's, it's Christ himself. In 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 and 15, he says, For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. And so he says, we are now controlled by a different love. We're not controlled by a love for self, for a love for money. But instead, we're controlled by the love of Christ. And that can only take place because of Christ having died and us having died with him. That my loves have died. My love for money has died with Christ. My love for self has been buried in the grave with Christ. And he's going to go on in 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. And he, just a few verses later he is when he says that the famous passage that we, we know well, that we have been made a new creation in him. The old has passed away. And so our love hasn't simply been transformed, but it's been made new. That we have died and now our life is hidden with Christ. The love of Christ is what controls us. So as we draw from the root of Christ, the source of our new life is going to be Christ himself. As we live from Christ, the natural result is going to be the pursuit of righteousness, faith, gentleness, and those things will be manifested in our lives too because our source is one of life and not death. And what's going to be the, the fruit or the, the results of that? I don't think the result is righteousness itself. I don't think the result is faith itself. I think those are all things that characterize the image of God that God's designs to be. But I think he goes on in, back in 1 Timothy 6, verse 12, and he explains, I think here, the fruit. And we're going to get to these destructions that he warned about uh, being the fruit of, of wrong love, drawing from the wrong source, and then the fruit that we're longing for. Verse 12, he says, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He says the fruit, that which we're taking hold of as we are drawing from Christ, is eternal life. That becomes our experience, eternal life. He says take hold of it. He doesn't say anticipate one day getting to take hold of it, but he says take hold of it now. Because as, as we've mentioned before, that this eternal life is not the quantity of life. It's not the length of time, but it's the quality of life. In other places, Jesus terms it, phrases it as abundant life. You know, that eternal life, abundant life, true life, living life. Uh, he says that is the, the fruit of a life that is drawn from Christ, abiding in him. And... That means that, that the desires that grow from a love of money, desires that grow from any love other than Christ himself, will not bear the fruit of eternal life. 
So why is it that, that the, this desire to get rich that comes from a love for money has led some to wandering from the faith, pierced with many griefs? What are those griefs that he's talking about there? I think it's primarily the grief of not really knowing true life, not experiencing abundant life. And that's played out in different kinds of circumstances, but, but really the, the core of it is we're not able to enjoy relationship with Christ, fellowship with him. And that's where life is found. That's where true life is enjoyed and experienced. And so we can have all kinds of desires that drive us, but it's only the desire that's growing from Christ as our root. Christ is our source that will allow us to enjoy the fruit of abundant life, which is, again, Christ himself. So Jesus is our source. He's the root. Jesus is also the means. He's our righteousness, our love, and he's also the goal. The source means in the goal. Jesus is life itself. He is abundant life. He's the living water. He's the bread of life. So Paul can write that we can be content with the most basic things. With food and covering, with these, we can be content. How come? Because the attaining of these things, acquiring them, doesn't equate with eternal life. Having more more finances, more financial security is not the source, the means by which we can take hold of abundant life. The only way to take hold of abundant life is through living life drawing from Christ himself. These other things, food and clothing, they aren't living water. They aren't the bread that satisfies. They're just momentary enjoyments, temporary fleeting pleasures. But the one that's living from Christ, he's content with whatever circumstances he finds himself in. Because the fruit of abiding in Christ is abundant life. And that's really what our souls long for. And so it's just a question as we wrap up. What roots are you living from today? What roots are you drawing from that then fuel your desire? Are you living from a love of money, a love of pleasure, entertainment, a love of self? The roots are eventually going to bear fruit. We can't love, live from a love for these things, live from the source of our own sinful hearts, and not expect fruit to eventually surface. And the fruit of this, this life drawn from self is one of pains and pierced with many griefs. The fruit is an absence of the enjoyment of abundant life. And our other option is being controlled by the love of Christ. Only in Christ are we able to take hold of eternal life, of true life? God, we thank you uh, just for, for these reminders in, in my own life. You know, as, as we do see and hear of things going on, whether it's just in our lives personally or, or on a larger scale in the world around us. And again, we're just reminded by, by your word of the living word. Lord, that life is found in you and in you alone. And so I just pray that your body, the church, would be quick to come to Jesus, to be identified in Christ, 
and to live according to what is true, the reality that we are yours and that you live in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's devotional with our principal, John Forrest. We hope you enjoyed it and that it was an encouragement to your heart. The 2022 summer camp season is coming to a close Friday. And like I said last week, what an absolute gift this summer has been. Please keep our summer staff in your prayers as they head home Saturday and say goodbye to this segment of life. Some of our summer staff have been here since staff training in May, and others have been here with us as students for a year or more. It definitely never gets easier to say goodbye, but it also never ceases to encourage us to know that the good news and love of Christ the summer staff shared with us will go with them to be given to those who need it around the world. Thank you again for tuning into the His Hill Podcast. You've been listening to our host, Kelly Doherty, along with John Forrest. Remember to keep your eyes fixed on Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. I'm Lizzie, and we'll see you next week.